Well, that was a pretty powerful 12-minute little allegory, wasn't it? It was intended to be that way. I want to ask you, was anyone a lifesaver in your life? I'm not sure how all of you may have met the Lord and were saved, but I just want you to stop for a moment and, and just ask, was, any, was anybody used by God in your life as a lifesaver? I remember, for me, it was a youth pastor at a church in the town that I was going to high school in and didn't even know who this guy was. He'd show up at every baseball game, and I played baseball. That's a big deal. And uh, I can remember when we'd uh, run on and off the field as innings would change, he'd call out my name. He'd say, hey, Kevin, that was a great inning. And I'd say, hey, you know, thanks. I don't even know who he was. I'd, say, yeah, I'd look and go, who is this guy? Finally figured out he was the youth pastor from a church nearby. And he just took enough interest in me just to call out my name, tell me great inning, and was at every baseball game. Didn't realize that some of his, some of his students were on the baseball team. I, I guess that was somewhat sad, too, when you think about some of the students were on the ball team and you didn't know that they were Christians until their youth pastor showed up and you found out. But his name was Mark Morgan. Mark was one of those lifesavers. He was just a passionate inviter was all, just call out my name and invite me to youth group. And, of course, there were other things that took place as well, but he was definitely a lifesaver in my life. Do you have a lifesaver in, in your testimony somewhere, somebody that just shared with you or talked to you? Or I realize people come to know the Lord in all different sorts of ways, but was there a lifesaver? And I guess my question is, are you willing to be a lifesaver to someone else? You know, last week we spoke about getting our zeal back. You remember that last Wednesday? Getting our zeal and our passion back. And uh, this week I just really want to talk to you for just a few moments before we end tonight on the topic, how did we, how did we lose that zeal? How, how did it go away? Because I don't know about you, when I was first saved, it was like I wanted everyone to know, I wanted to tell everybody, and it just was sort of a natural thing, and then it just kind of faded away as it does in so many people's lives. So how did that happen? Maybe if we can identify how, how we lose it, we'll have a better chance at keeping those fires fanned in our own heart and that passion and zeal uh, up uh, in our own spirit so that we can continue to be a lifesaver for someone out there. How did we lose that zeal? Well, first off, as I was thinking, I think that no one else has it. Therefore, if we look at everyone else and think that they're normal, then whenever we're kind of passionate, it makes us look odd. Isn't that true? It's almost like when people get excited, there's usually somebody nearby that says, hey, pipe down. Keep, keep it down. You, you don't have to be that out there. I mean, when you're excited and no one else is excited, it just feels odd. And who really wants to look like an oddball, right? You know what? I found out that, I, and I went to a Christian college, and my daughter goes to a Christian school. And I, can I just tell you this? Even in a Christian college and going to a Christian school, if you get passionate about the Lord, you can be an oddball even in those places. And I think sometimes we just don't want to feel odd. And so we slowly lose our passion. Secondly, I think life gets busy. I mean, how can I get a burden for others when I can barely keep up with my schedule? 
Pastor, you're asking me to think about my neighbor or someone I come in contact with, and I'm here to tell you, how can I keep up with this? I go to work. In fact, actually, i got about two jobs I have to do. Then I've got my hobby, and I'm getting kids back and forth to school and their activities, and then our church activities, and then there's laundry waiting for me. I've got the lawn to mow at home. And I'm just telling you, my schedule is just slam-packed full. Life is busy, isn't it? It's busy for all of us. And sometimes it's just easy to lose your zeal. Thirdly, I think sometimes we feel like it's just not my calling. It's just not my gifting. You know, I don't know that I have to do that. In fact, I've heard this before. I've heard this from people in the ministry before actually say this. They said, I'm glad. In fact, I had one say this to me. I am so glad I go to a charismatic church. Because, you know, when I went to a Baptist church, they'd make us reach out to people. But since I've been in the charismatic church, they don't make me reach out to anybody anymore. I'm not called to do that. It's not my gifting. I was watching that and I thought to myself, I wonder if that young steward that jumped into the water felt called to do that. No, I think he just simply saw someone drowning and he wanted to be a lifesaver. Fourthly, I think sometimes we lose our zeal or our passion because in our society right now, in America, unfortunately, we're becoming what I call practical universalists. What do I mean by that? Well, a universalist, you may know, is somebody who believes that everybody gets to go to heaven. Somehow, some way, God's going to figure it out. He's going to make a way. Somehow, some way, it's all going to work out at the end. It's like God's going to you know, change his mind on some things, and things are just going to sort of shake out differently. And so we literally believe everybody makes it in the end. And, and this is why it's so important, I think, at times to talk about sin it's because if you don't talk about sin, you can't convince anybody they're lost anymore. I think the first step to the gospel sometimes is reminding everybody they're lost. We were born lost, born alienated from God. Because, you see, if you don't understand that, what you become is a functional universalist. And somehow God will just sort of shift the plan, change the rules, and make it different for you or for me or for that other person or some family member. You see, until this, I believe this, until you understand people are lost, you won't pray for them. There are even parents, I'll just say this to parents because this is the hardest thing in the world sometimes is to recognize that your children are wayward and we don't like that, we don't want to think about that but even then if you don't recognize lostness how do you pray for them? Like Lord, as they're in their rebellion and sin bless them? No, save them. Let them be like a brand plucked from the fire. And I think sometimes we lose our zeal lastly it's because we're just waiting for the program. Well, what are we going to do, Pastor? Are we going to start up something on a Saturday and everybody gets to go farm the neighborhood? And we've done that. Are we going to do something different? We're going to hand things out? We've done that. I'm not saying we won't do it again. We may well do it again. May need to do it again. But the problem is, it's not the church starting a program. You and I are the program. Every morning we get up, that's the program. Every time we interact with people, that's the program. Every time we have a conversation, run into somebody, that's the program. It's great to organize something to to have sort of a strategic thrust. 
Some of you were down there on Rivers Road when we reached out to that community, and I think that was great. We prayed with people. There are people that gave their hearts to the Lord. That's a wonderful thing, and and we need to do things, and we'll continue to do those things, and we're working on doing some more of those things. But here's my goal. My goal is however many are in this room tonight, I want you all to somehow just get it in your hearts. You are now God's program. That as you begin to pray that he's going to bring people across your path, I'm not saying that you'll present the gospel first thing to them, but you could be a passionate inviter. You could just say something that God has done in your life, somewhere that that God has led you, some testimony that you have. Listen, if we don't learn to at least cast seed, we'll never get to the place where we can jump in the water. We lose our zeal. And I just think it's time for us to get our focus And that's really what the Lord's just putting on my heart. We still need to disciple people. We still need to deliver people. We still need to worship. We still need to praise. We still need to do our very best that when people walk into our church, that they see a group of people who do things excellently before the Lord. But we need to have our focus that the whole reason we do all of these things is that there are lost people that need Jesus. I put on the screen an acrostic focused. How about if we just got focused? And focused can mean fixed on changing unsaved souls eternal destiny. How about that? Focused. Fixed on changing unsaved souls eternal destiny. That's where it starts. It's when we get our focus back. The whole reason you were saved is so you could turn around and begin to help others be saved as well. Do you realize that? Sometimes we need to be remembered. You, you weren't delivered just so your life could be better. We want your life to be good and better, and it'll be a testimony, and people will be drawn to that. And the reason they're drawn to your marriage working so well, and the reason they're drawn to your life working so well, and the reason they're drawn to your joy and your peace and your righteousness and all the things that make your life look so attractive to them. The reason they're drawn to that is so that you might tell them they too can be saved. They can be saved. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, Would you stand with me?